I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Batter up. Hello, a pot of their own listeners. Welcome back to A Pot of Their Own. This is episode 57 of A Pot of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by Linda Surovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And I am joined also by new co-host, Kellyanne Healy. Hello, Kellyanne. Hello, Allison, and hello, Linda, and thank you for having me. So, Welcome. Kellyanne, um, you guys may know her. Um, she is has been a guest on the show before. She is a moderator at Amazing Avenue, um, and she is going to be filling in for Maggie Wigan while Maggie Wigan is away from the show. Um, Maggie Wigan has to take some time away from a pot of their own um, to deal with a family matter, um, so we wish her family the best um, while she yes. has to tend to that um but in the meantime kellyanne will be filling in in her stead most weeks and on weeks that kellyanne can't fill in it will just be linda and i but we promise we will get through this it'll be fine (laughs) (laughs) we still have three of us we're still doing great so um here we are um but that is partially why we didn't have an episode last week um between maggie giving us the news that she needed to step away and linda lost power for like three days um in case there are are like no list like listeners outside of the northeast we had a big old tropical storm and a lot of yeah it was bad and a lot of people lost power for days i know a lot of people in new jersey are just getting their power back so yes it's been nuts yeah, so last week was complicated, so we ended up not having a show last week, but we're back. We have a show this week, um, which means that we have not yet, on the pod, discussed um, the Ioannis Cespedes situation, which has now been, you know, added to by um, Marcus Stroman also opting out of the season, so we have both of those happening um, at the same time um, on the pod, which is, you know, a lot. Um, every time we're like, oh, nothing's going to happen, things happen. Um, Everything's happening. Can I just point out that before the season even started, Brody's like, no, I don't foresee any of my players opting out. Oh, and yeah. here we are. Right, exactly. Brody holding that over everyone's heads. I can't. I just can't. Like, one was your client, one was your former client, and one was your big splash last year. Like, I don't begrudge, not to, I'm not begrudging Cespedes and Strowman anything. Like, they're totally like within their right to do that and you know especially given the cluster cost yes um but um yeah brody seems to be out of touch with his uh with his team yeah so um in case um in case you uh either were living under a rock during this or have already forgotten about it um bless you um let's take you back in the way back machine um, to Cespedes's opt-out situation. So what happened was is that you sit down. Basically, it's like a normal day. You sit down to watch the Mets, and 
<laughs> Cespedes in the like first inning of the game is declared missing. We see like a, a statement is released by Brody Van Wagenen that just says like basically we don't know where he is. He didn't show up to the ballpark and attempts to contact him have been unsuccessful. So of course like a vague statement like that is going to make people very concerned about the safety of said player, especially during, you know, a global pandemic. Um, We don't know where our player is. Very good. Um, Apparently, even though we have strict protocols in place that are keeping the players inside at all times and like in very specific, you know, places, apparently you lost track of your players. Well, considering Cleveland, those protocols mean nothing either. Right, exactly. Which we should probably talk about in the second half of the show. But that's it. Um, yeah, so they, they released this, like, rather vague statement that made people really concerned about Cespedes' safety, and then, like, about an hour or so later, they released, like, they, they basically hastily were like, but we have no reason to believe that, like, Cespedes' safety is in jeopardy, and it's like, how do you know that? Um, so that happened, and then after the game, they had a press conference, at which time Brody Van Wagenen said that Cespedes had opted out of the season, but they didn't know about that beforehand. So that's the rundown. Um, if you've read Wait. my my piece on Amazing Avenue about this whole situation, you already know how I feel about it. Um, I don't know. It's, again, I what I said in the piece is basically there is not enough hard evidence at this time to outright accuse the Mets of lying about this. We can't say for certain that the Mets really didn't know. But I think that the whole thing stinks. Stinks to high heaven. I think oh, the yeah, story stinks. The next day, Brandon Nimmo said, was said, oh, some of us knew the night before. So when Brandon Nimmo was saying something. Yeah, Brandon Nimmo doesn't tend to strike me as a type that would uh, play fast and loose with the truth. (laughs) With the truth, yeah. So, like he said, he thought he had heard something the night before. So I can't remember what his exact words, but Brandon Nimmo knew the night before. (laughs) So, I, I don't oh. know if he just told the players or what happens, but, but I, don't I, know. Think, I think it just brings to, again, into expo- exposes the lack of communication between, I guess, the players and the front office. And we've seen it time and time again. And it's starker this year because of the pandemic and the circumstances under which we're having baseball right now. Um, but I am of the opinion that both sides are in the wrong in various ways. The Mets in their usual media um, mishandling sense. Like they drummed up a circus when they, they didn't have up to. A cir- yeah. yeah, they drummed up a circus. They completely caused drama when they didn't have to. But Cespedes for also if you believe it or not, for not communicating a guest to the proper people at the proper time. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, like, I, I said in the piece, I mean, I'm heavily taking Cespedes' side more than the Mets' side in the piece, just because I feel the Mets have not earned the benefit of the doubt in this situation. And I agree with that. Um, but, I mean, I am not saying that Cespedes is blameless here, nor is he above reproach. I mean, like, I, I think, I think... I think there's a slight difference in both sides did bad things. I think that Cespedes, the the adjective I would use to describe what Cespedes did is unprofessional. The adjective yeah. that I would use to describe what the Mets did is immoral. <laughs> like I would push and that incompetent. Step 
Um, and I like I know in the comments for those of you that don't know, I am. Uh, I'll just say it. I'll expose myself right now. I am uh, one of the moderators on Amazing Avenue, La Roma Bella. Yay! Hello, guys. Um, but I have been saying in the comments that um, this I expect this kind of thing from the Mets front organization right now, and I guess I've become quite jaded in that sense, where I was less critical of them, um, just because. Probably, hopefully, most of them are on their way out. And by this time next year, none of them will be here. So we might have slightly more professional people. Um, But like to me, this is just and it's it's really sad to say it now that I'm like saying it out loud. Uh, This is just the status quo. This is the norm for the Mets FO, this kind of miscommunication and this kind of melodrama and making a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah. And to go back to the Brandon Nimmo thing for a moment, what Brandon Nimmo essentially said, if I'm remembering correctly, is that, so while we do know uh, for a fact, although I guess fact is a strong word, but we but the Athletic reported, so it provided you trust the reporting in the Athletic, Cespedes did tell players the night before, like some of his teammates, like he approached them because he wanted to say goodbye to them and stuff like that. And the Mets claim, the Mets do not deny that claim, but the Mets claim that that never like reached to the higher office the, the Mets claim that that never made its way up the ladder now what Brandon Nimmo was saying is that not only did he inform like his not only did Cespedes inform his teammates Cespedes's agent told the Mets that same night um yeah. Brandon Nimmo but Brandon Nimmo of course was being Brandon Nimmo was very diplomatic about the whole thing and said you know all I know is that I heard that Cespedes's agent told the Mets, and I, now I hear what the Mets are saying that they didn't know, and I'm not going to say. And that's, and it's not just Brandon Nimmo saying that either. Like Pete Alonso made a similar comment of like, I'm not going to make comments about who I think is right and who I think is wrong and who I think is lying and who I think is not. That's not important because, of course, they're not going to take sides here. They shouldn't. <laughs> they're the yeah. they're players. Yeah. Um, so but that's I mean, even the situation. even with Cespedes telling the players, like as it player you you're not responsible at that point for telling the front office I mean it is the agent's responsibility so I don't know like it's just it's just a mess oh yeah and honestly it's unnecessary mess and the mess made it messier yes they always do like why didn't you double check before releasing a statement like oh hey some players heard he was opting out why don't we check on this before releasing a statement saying he's missing yeah. yeah. Like, do you know the implications of the word missing and we haven't been able to contact him? Yeah. Apparently and, we don't. Like, yet there was, like, widespread panic. Because, so, like you said, there's a pandemic going on. Yep. I think that, like, I don't know. I, like, okay, at- we got a friend. Sorry, I'm also watching this game. <laughs> I, I'm doing what Linda does. I was going to say, <laughs> Kellyanne also filling in the role of Linda here. Um, yeah. But I think, you know... I, And as I said in the piece, in the best case scenario, in the most generous interpretation of this whole series of events on the Mets side, it's a gross mishandling of this situation. In the worst interpretation of this, it's an outright 
like purposeful attempt at character assassination of the player. Because if you are releasing this statement knowing that you don't know, so there, one of two things is true. Either they're not lying and they actually didn't know anything, in which case it's really, really irresponsible to release a statement like that because you know, basically they're doing it to goad Cespedes into contacting them. Because they're like, oh look, we're going to say publicly that we haven't been able to reach him and make you look really bad so that you have to call us now. Or... They really did know what was going on and they were re- and then that makes them look really bad um, because that means that they're just, you know, basically doing the thing that they always do with their players on the way out, which is, you know, assassinating their characters. Um, and we already know that they've, you know, kind of that the New York media has not been kind to Cespedes during his tenure as a New York Met. And this no. brought up this whole thing. And this is, you know, Mets aside, Mets stroking the flames or not the New York media has drummed up their whole, you know, same song and dance about how Cespedes is undedicated and he's walking away from his team. And this is only fuel to that fire. And they will continue to drum up these same old tropes again about how he's lazy and entitled. And people keep calling him greedy and Stroman too, which blows my mind because they are literally leaving money on the table to walk away. They're not getting paid. That's the whole thing. Like, I don't see, I don't, I don't dislike Cespedes. I just don't like how he handled this particular situation, whatever his role may have been. I do kind of just, I don't kind of, I really, again, it's really more on the Mets for they're supposed to be like, I guess the leaders and the responsible parties in this situation. But uh, again, Cespedes, the man had surgery on both of his heels and still managed to come back and play in major, in a major, major league baseball games. Like, I want to see everybody that is criticizing him do that. People constantly forget the work, the ethic, the dedication it takes to be a professional athlete at this level. This is the 750-ish to 800 top guys in the world out of how many billions of people that have made it to this level. You have to work hard. So calling him lazy, calling him undedicated to me is just ridiculous. Like to I me, disagree no with how you're at this level is lazy. Like you've yes. already proven you're not lazy by making it to this level. Exactly. Um, and he's a free agent. So if anything, he's hurting himself because yeah. he hasn't proven, you know, he can still play. So his future is very uncertain right now. Yeah. People, people keep saying that like, he just wanted to show, like pe- show everyone that he could like that he was back from his heel injury and then like he'll just get paid as a free agent like oh he was just showcasing himself it's like he didn't have enough time to do that he didn't he no. and and like, and walk in and like, like was done in like five games he's showcasing himself come on yeah like no one's this gonna is, i don't think anyone's gonna pay him based off his his five games that he played i mean i guess no. other than showing that he can like walk <laughs> Yeah, like he might get a minor league deal or something with like a invite to camp, but I don't see anybody giving him a major league contract. I think he'll like, get one, but I don't think it's going to yeah. be anything. Maybe big. a one-year deal yeah, I or something. Yeah, he'll get a one-year like pillow deal. Yeah, with maybe like an option. Yeah, um, so he, he put a lot on the line to walk away. And like his mother is sick. Right? Yeah. Right. Like he had, like, and even... If he didn't, even if, you know, his family is perfectly healthy, he can still say, you know, I've been through enough. I don't want to put my body on the line anymore than I already have. And I've seen the outbreaks on these other yeah. teams. I'm done. That's enough of so, a yeah. reason in and yeah, of itself. This, 
And exactly. he's not very good for that reason. Yeah. So, and also, you know, I saw one theory that, you know, that the Mets have, you know, kind of killed the relationship. And so maybe he just, with this was like his final, like, kind of fuck you out the door. Which I kind of don't blame him if it yeah. was. Yeah. And I like, mean, like, oh, yeah. again, so, like Kellyanne said, the team is supposed to be the adult in the room. Yeah. And again, yes. e- either Cespedes or his agent, and actually we don't know where the unprofessional label should fall, whether it's on the player himself or his agent, because yeah. the agent is the one that's responsible for communications. If Cespedes gave the agent the go-ahead to say something and the agent did not, then it's actually the agent's problem, not Cespedes' problem. But we will probably never know what happened there. But that said, the team is, is supposed to be the- like Johnny Thousand or something. Yes, it's like- yes. Yes. Um, yeah. His agent also has a ridiculous name, by the way, everyone. Wait, what's his, because I, I know he used to be Brody's client and I know he's part of Rock Nation now, but what is his agent's name? Yeah, Johnny like Thousand. Johnny Thousand. No, seriously? It, yes. Yeah, no, it is. Oh, God help you us. Rock Nation. Hang on, I have to find it. Um, it's something Thousand. It's something like. A Johnny, <laughs> like just the most agent name possible. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a dude who's like an extra in the hangover or something. Oh, I Lord. forget his name, but yeah, I think I think Linda's right. The last name's like Thousand, but I forget what his first name is. <laughs> but anyhow, um, what I was gonna say is that the team has to be the adult in the room. Now, if my point is, it's also up to the team to create an environment where open communication is valued. And these types of things cropping up again and again, regardless of whether you think the player acted unprofessionally and some blame does fall on the player in scenarios like these, the fact that it happens over and over again to the Mets is no coincidence. They've fostered an environment Mm -hmm. where players don't feel either don't feel comfortable or just mistakes always happen where miscommunications happen constantly. And it's not, it's not a coincidence at all. The Mets, like what have the Mets done during Cespedes, Cespedes alone? What have the Mets done during Cespedes's tenure to earn that player's trust to open, openly communicate with them? Nothing. They've mismanaged Niente. his injuries. Niente. Sorry, I'm saying nothing in Italian. (laughs) Niente, niente. Maligned him in the media. Like, they've done nothing but kick his ass the whole time. So, like, why (laughs) why would he feel comfortable communicating openly with the team about a decision like this? I mean, he still should do it. But, like, can you really blame him? And, of course, the articles, right after he opted out, the articles started dropping about, like, how he was disgruntled about his playing time and stuff like that. And my point is, because he was talking about how the, in If you believe, this is an article in the Post, if you believe the reporting in the Post, which I have no reason to doubt the actual reporting, I suppose, even if I doubt the motivations for publishing said reporting um, and the timing of such, even, like, uh, can you blame him, really? The Mets literally cut Adeni Echeverria last year, the day before he was due a performance bonus. Suspenus mm-hmm. is going to be wary of that sort of thing because the Mets have a track record. Mets have a track record with all of this, and that breeds this sort of environment, point blank. It's just the way it is. Like, I... And it just sucks because... It, like, it does because it's the norm. Yeah, <laughs> no, but I did... Because oh, I was like, oh, fuck this. I'm like, I'm not taking this lying down. And I'm like, Suspenus was fun, damn it. So I did, like, his best moments as a Met, and he was so fun. 
Mm-hmm. It had been so long since we had a superstar like that just come in and just absolutely mash dingers and and this like is how it up. yeah and this is how it ends and it just it sucks and I'm so tired that this is the way it always ends like outside of David Wright has there been any med who had well and hey Jose Reyes like us but because uh, he needed a proper send off. Um, but has there been any med that they just didn't tear down? Well, like, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, even David Wright, they tore down while he was yes, here. That's not true. a superstar. No, not that's a superstar. True. So, I mean, like, you can go back and think of, like, all the times that the Mets have gone after players if they're, like, if they're injured or if they're not playing to, to the expectation, like, Matt Harvey, Steven Matz. Um, oh, that's off the top Thor. of my head. Ask Carlos yes, Beltran about the Mets Beltran. tearing down players in the media. Oh, my God. Um, who's the one? Oh, yeah, Carlos Beltran. That's who, that's who it is. <laughs> I was thinking, what, who's the one that had surgery? And they were, like, trying to force him to come back. That was Beltran. Pedro Martinez. Pedro Martinez. Yeah. Pedro. Yep. I mean, It goes on it's, and on. Yeah. Um, and, of course, <sighs> like... When Stroman opted out, now obviously the Stroman opt out happened with less drama than the Cespedes opt out because they didn't like not know where he was. Um, but um, they still like Luis Rojas still said like I'm completely blindsided by this. It's like how can you see this pattern and not understand that it's a pattern? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like like maybe maybe Brody and everyone knew, but and apparently according to who was it? I think it was Tim Healy tweeted that Strowman did indeed like go to the ballpark and tell them. But Yeah, so of course the yeah, cuz him Healy said it like all snide. He's like yeah, that's progress. He actually showed up this time. He showed up and it's like oh, yeah, even helping. despite that there was still miscommunication because it didn't make it to the manager who was like oh, Oh, I'm blindsided by this. I thought he was throwing another sim game. It's like, Jesus Christ. But again, that's that's also nothing unusual. Even with nope. task managers, we've nope. seen that. So like, this is ugh. And it's like so I'm many so other sick. players have opted out of this season, like both like, you know, both major stars and scrubs alike have opted out of the season and issued statements and teams have just accepted it and moved on without any drama whatsoever in the media. Of course, the Mets can't even do that. It's, it's like what is run of the mill stuff for other teams always becomes a circus with the Mets inevitably every time. But I don't like, they need a professional PR team. Yeah, they need well. They need new owners, and hopefully, we'll have that. In they need new next, owners who will time. clean house. Yes, hopefully, like, I don't know if we will just... have that by this time next year. That's yeah, what like my hope is. I don't know if it's the Wilpons or just Brody's inexperience showing, his incompetence showing. If that's just why not both? the issue. Why not both, Dot Why not both? <laughs> Two things can be true. Yeah, like why why does this always have to happen like it's exhausting and and then now you know everybody the discourse about showman is like oh what a bad treat yeah because we all saw the human opt out after a bit with the pandemic coming when brody made the trade you're right how could he have not foreseen that coming 
It's like, like yeah, I really like, just spent 20 minutes like railing on the Mets, but um, you can't rail on the Mets for not knowing a pandemic was pandemic coming. Pandemic was coming. I could go, and then everybody's like, eh, you know, Strowman was talking a big game in the offseason. Again, he did not foresee a pandemic coming. Yeah, and right. also, like, I don't know, fans, like, fans are such fickle beings. They want their players to have swagger and to, like, have confidence, but then the second they actually, like, show that and have a personality, they, like, hate on them for it. It's wild. Uh-huh. It's what have you done for me lately. It's exactly it's exactly that. But I cannot tell you, like, Strowman and Seth, like, like I said, I don't begrudge them anything, but those two were two of the ones I really wanted to see this season. They and they're fun. both gone. They were fun. And I'm so excited to see them. And I think and... You need, like, a team needs, and I've said this on this show before many times, but a team needs a mix of players that have like have that swag and have that star yeah. and have that confidence and players who have a more quiet, like laid back personality, the Jacob deGroms of the world who just like quietly go out there, do their thing. Don't really like, aren't really flashy about it, whatever. That's just Jake's personality. And we love him for that. But we also love Marcus Stroman and Yoenis Cespedes and Pete Alonso. Like we love all the mix of personality types. And like Pete Alonso is kind of like an in-between, like he has some swagger, but he also like is the spokesperson that speaks to the media, a la David Wright, like takes all those uh-huh. interviews. And so like we, you need a mix of personalities on your team to have a fun team. And that's what made the 2019, like the latter half of 2019 mess so fun. It's that they had all of that. Yes. Yeah, because I, I, I was because I saw a bad take on Twitter, so then I got angry and I had to start. Going <laughs> I back. saw a bad take on Twitter and then I got angry. It should be like maybe the title of the show today. <laughs> <laughs> see, this, like see, this is why I'm not on Twitter right now. I don't see any of these takes. It's been so nice. Wait, so I, I won't lie. Back into like the articles I wrote, I was like, I know I looked up Strowman stats, so I had to like go back into all my articles. Um, but because it was like, oh, you know, he did nothing, and so I went back and I found and I found the article that I wrote, and it was called "The 2019 Mets Were Fun," and I put Marcus Strowman as one of them because he showed personality. Like that game. It really sucked because it was the anniversary of the Michael Conforto walk-off game on Sunday, and that was also Marcus Stroman's City Field debut last year in 2019. And then on Monday, he opts out. Like, well, it really count- so much changed in a year. But anyway, um, he was like, you know, Thor and, you know, Jake walk in. They're all business, and they're all like, you know, getting ready to dominate. And he was, like, pumping up the crowd and stuff when he was walking in from the bullpen. And it was just, it was, like, refreshing to see. And it was fun. It was fun. He was so electric. And you could tell he was just so happy to be in New York. And he was feeding off the crowd. And I was so looking forward to more of that. And, you know, like we said, you know, Jay just going out there and shoving and, like, being all business the entire time is great. Like, I love that, like, demeanor, too. But you need both. And, you know, it adds another dimension to it. Yes. And, you know, I know we all hope isn't lost. Like, they still can resign him. But it's the match. I have faith in that. I was going to say yeah. I, I don't have faith in that if these if it's still the Wilpons that own the team. Yeah. Sorry, no. True. Although, and, you but know, like... I, I do have like 
Because I, I do have, like, the tiniest glimmer of hope. Like, unlike Cespedes, obviously. Like, that's done and dusted. Like, that's over. But Yeah. But with Strowman, like, at least he seemed to, like, genuinely actually have a good relationship with the organization somehow. Yo, shocking. Uh, um, I mean, like, he didn't have, like, you know, Cespedes had, you know, circumstances being mostly injuries and stuff. And he was a very high-paid player. So the Met- so you know how the Wilpons are. If you get paid a shit ton of money, you better, like, show up or we're going to, like, print shit about you. Um, so Cespedes had all that hanging over his head, the, the being high paid, like, you know, the injuries and everything. And Stroman didn't really have as much of that. So it was like easier for him to get along with the Mets because they weren't shitting on him constantly. But like, he did seem to like genuinely enjoy being a Met. So like and he praised them. He actually yes. went to Florida. So like when you get a player them. like that, you want to keep him around. A player actually wants to play for your shitty, terrible organization. <laughs> like, please right? resign him. <laughs> sorry i'm just gonna like intercept and say wilmer yeah. sorry what wilmer do? This wilmer. oh wilmer no no that. wilmer no i'm just using him as an example of someone who wants to play for this organization and love this organization right precisely <sighs> david wright as well pete alonso yep. as well like these are all guys mm-hmm. that like really love being mets and that's like you know there's an endearing factor to that and that's something you want to yeah. keep that's a player you want to keep around you know um, there are only so few of them that actually love the Mets. Um, and I don't want to say it, but Jacob DeGrom can opt out in two years. Ugh, don't. Shh, don't, don't, Linda. I can't think about that right now. <laughs> Linda! Well, you say, like, you need pitchers. You literally don't have a rotation right now. My emotions are too fragile to consider that possibility at this time. And in two years, you could literally not have anybody who's currently on the on the team right now. Yeah. In your rotation. Who Maybe Peter. Maybe there won't be I'll Major League Peter. Baseball in two years. Who knows at this rate? That's true. That's because true. transition. So <laughs> transition. <laughs> because we still have, you know... Oh, I don't know if you guys can hear. I am at, I am at, on vacation right now. My family's yelling downstairs at baseball. Games, I did so. hear that. I yes, did hear so that. Sorry if that's coming through on the pod, everyone. I have. I this is what it's like to go on vacation with my family, and and you know they're yelling at baseball downstairs. I don't know if it's the Met game or because we have a variety of different fandoms here. Um, I was going to say it does not look like the Met game because right now it's I don't know who's at it bat, might be the Jays but nothing's game. happening. Okay. Maybe the Jays uh, Marlins Cause game. Because I have we... it on hockey because this game is going into its... God, Andres Jimenez. I love him so much. Andres Jimenez he is just... good TM. Oh, my God. I uh, love him The hockey so game much. is currently in the fifth overtime. Oh, good. Fifth? So this is pretty epic. Like I'm like really emotionally invested in this. Good. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. But yeah, speaking of uh, baseball might not be happening in two years, we've got two kind of like baseball, wider baseball stories to cover. One of which is obviously that outbreaks continue to happen. Um, You know, the Cardinals are still not playing right now, as far as I know, right? They're not playing. Um, No, they're not. Their doubleheader was postponed. Yeah, it was July 27th, I think, they last played. Jeez. Yikes. It was sometime in July that they last played. So the Cardinals still are not playing, and you've got the Indians, who had um, the, the Cleveland baseball team, I should say, um, had since they might go the way of the Washington football team and have their have their team renamed, which would be good. Oh. Um, but anyway, they have the Cleveland baseball team had two guys who, you know, went out against protocols and got caught and basically, like, I don't know, like, Plesak's, like, is that how you pronounce it? Whatever. Yeah. His, his like, statement that he issued was, like, basically a giant shrug emoji. Like. <laughs> yeah. And like he said, you know, sometimes stuff happens in life. Like what? Consequences to your actions? Yeah. That's always. Like, you always make it seem man. like something happened to him. Nothing happened to you. You were in jackass. That's what happened to you. And like, what is it with people and saying like, sometimes stuff just happens without taking responsibility? That's always the thing with like domestic violence cases too. They're always like, sometimes stuff happens. And they always paint it no. as like, like an adversity they have to overcome. Cause like, that's what his, he had a, an Instagram thing today. Cause he, first he like issued a like, apology not really apology in the immediate aftermath of the whole thing but then he posted on instagram today let me see if i can find it it was basically like making him seem like some guy that was like overcoming a hurdle it was horrible let me see if i can find it because it really wait here it is here it is Life can throw some crazy things at you, but how you respond is the testament. What you may think is harmless can actually uh, can actually have consequential outcomes. And the lesson learned is this. The most important thing we can do is take care of each other, putting others first, and having the character to understand why there is a greater impact if we are selfless. Like, dude, he's well, talking well, about... word vomit. <laughs> like, word vomit about and platitudes about, like, overcoming adversity when, like... What the fuck? You just take responsibility. Say like I fucked up and I'm really sorry and I shouldn't have done this. But yeah, it's like, man, it's that like, was a stupid thing. We plural I mean, must take I, care I, of each other when you singular did not do that. <laughs> no, and it just it and you sounds put a like lot he, of people at risk. It just sounds like he was not aware of any sort of protocol, like and. But everybody was like, oh, not just, I shouldn't say not aware of it. He just ignored it, is what I should say. Clevenger's wasn't so bad. But Clevenger also, he sat there silent. Like, he knew he went out and didn't tell anybody and traveled with the team. Right, right. So that was even more egregious. His apology was better. But you just sat there silent and let Plesak get all the shit for it. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, you were out too? Now what do we do? Because they made police act drive home by himself. Yeah. like oh, They made him rent a car and drive home. But then Clevenger still traveled to the team. It's like, so that went out the window. 
Yeah, like you're the whole point of sending the other guy home in the car kind of got defeated by Clevenger by keeping being Clevenger an asshole. By keeping quiet. Yeah. Yeah. And Clevenger's already kind of a known asshole, so um, Yeah. But yeah, it's, so that's not great. And then you have uh the A's and the Astros being very not socially distant. Oh my distant. god. <laughs> Again, but, the Astros, what the The Astros no, the, are just but, the evilest franchise. But but see, like the problem, the problem with this is that MLB did not punish the Astros the way they should have. So yes. other teams are just going to try and get at them. And this was not the case in the A's instance. It, 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 from what I have seen, the clips I have seen and what I have read, the A's are totally in the right. And to me, Loriano should not, maybe should have gotten like two or three games, not the six he got. Hashtag but, free Loriano. Oh my God. Free Ramon, free Ramon. But all of this is happening because this is what? I think this is the second scuffle, maybe more. This is the second scuffle I'm aware of that the Ashes have gotten into. It's the second one. Yeah. Um, Because now you, like, when the league doesn't do justice, the players feel the need to do vigilante justice, which is always worse. Are going to do it on their, yeah, are going to do it on their own. And they're doing it. It's now in a situation where they're putting themselves, their families, and every a lot of other people at risk. So there's that added layer to it as well. So I think we're going to not not just see retaliation, player retaliation against the Astros, not just this year, but well into next year too, just because and fan retaliation and fan and I air quote retaliation by saying I hope fans just boo them to high holy heaven all of next year yes please <laughs> if players hopefully pl- people fans will be allowed back in the stands by then I'm, I'm not a booer by nature I didn't even I, I didn't even boo Jose Reyes <laughs> at the end but I endorse booing the Houston Astros oh absolutely and also can we just talk about well, I mean MLB did punish him pretty harshly but how, as a coach, are you being the instigator there? Like, what was Loriano's quote? I'm sorry I charged him because he's a loser. <laughs> yeah, that was great. That was great. But <laughs> but to, to to watch a coach, and he's not the first with coach. No that, with no mask either. With no mask. They yeah. had the protocols. They just updated their protocols saying everybody had to be masked in the dugout, <laughs> which why that wasn't a thing to begin with, I don't know. But to see him unmasked uh, taunting a player or you know a player who has just been hit twice who's in the already bad yeah and, and he, has been hit three times in the series he, yeah like he has every right to be mad right. and then you know, you're gonna instigate a fight while you don't have you see you're already breaking protocols now you're gonna now you're instigating a fight that further broke protocol talk about not being the adult in the room no, See, I was gonna say. Here's the thing: what to an me, immature piece of shit that guy is. Yeah, and yeah, honestly, he should be fired. Like, he should be fired. He should be fired. fired, and he deserved every bit of that suspension he got. Yeah, and the fine. I honestly thought that. Yeah, I thought that suspension. I thought he should have been suspended just for the rest of the year. Personally, yeah, I agree. Because um, that was that's just and. That was just unacceptable. And thinking about it, one of the first things that came to mind was in 2015 when Phillies, I think he was the first base coach, Larry Boa. I can't remember. Oh, like, yes. Which, 
Oh, that's was, right. Was ejected and then was saying to Murph, "Oh my God, you're celebrate, you're celebrating, you're gonna get like plunked in the ribs." And yeah, he's pointing he at his ribs. Yeah. So he's so he's not the only coach to do this, and it's like, come on, coaches, you guys. I mean, we're working with a bunch of athletes who are adults, but also, let's be real, they're pro- they have egos the size of Texas, Montana, and Alaska combined. And it's, they're not easy to control. So the coaches do need to be the grownups in the room here. And he had the adrenaline going. Like we said, he was just yeah. hit by pitch. Like, he's mad. Like, the adrenaline's he, going. I mean, he actually, like, remained pretty calm walking to first base. He was calm up until the point when um, the coach started taunting him. You know, like the, the only like, thing he did, which was pretty, pretty funny, good. is he told the pitcher to learn how to throw the, a slider. slider. Like, yeah. Yes. And that the fact was that he funny. said, I regret charging at him because he's a loser was the best. I was like, oh, my God, Ramon Laureano is my new favorite baseball player. Well, then he said the Garneau who tackled him, he said, I thanked him for keeping me away. Yes, because yeah. they were former teammates. Yeah, so he said, he even said, like, well, I was on the ground. Are you okay? Are you okay? So he was like, I hold no ill will towards any of them. It's just <laughs> the loser. Yeah, the loser. <laughs> which, loser is the perfect way to describe it. And, like, the problem is, is that, like, even though these coaches are all, like, older than the players are supposed to be the responsible people in the room let's be real most of these dudes are like lifetime baseball guys who were Mm -hmm. like born raised in this environment of like toxic sports culture and so like they're all just like they're all just jocks they're they're 60 year old jocks but they're jocks and like this is how they're gonna act and like i think we saw this again like mlp needs to do something to get a better control of their product like we saw with the marlins like mattingly clearly didn't stop the game on whenever the marlins were infected nobody had control over clevenger and police act like it just seems like there's no no rules like at a time when there's supposed to be more rules there are no rules like, they're trying to have like mask wearing in the dugout at all times which first of all why didn't you have it had no high-fiving or anything yeah and they're and... trying to enforce all that stuff but like they, like i've already seen like in the games i've been watching that like not everyone's wearing a mask in the dugout nope. at all times no like clearly that coach was in centron i think his name is yes i yeah. think yes didn't he literally but... like pull down his mask when like what to scream at him yeah I thought so. How, he might, I, mean, I mean, that makes sense. So he would hear him, but still. I mean, the masking, I won't lie, like masking up right now is very difficult uh, just to have it on for a prolonged period of time because I had it on at work for a prolonged period of time. And yeah, I was just sucks. like, okay, I, it sucks. And especially if you're outside in this humidity, in this, and it's like 100 degrees, then the humidity, it's just, it's, it's, it's tough. It is. So I, I'm, I'm like hesitant to get on the players in the dugout for like, oh my God, they have their mask down so bad. Um, cause yeah, but he was a you, coach. You're supposed to be yeah, setting the a, example though. Yeah, again, the coaches, again, be the adults in the room. Yeah. The coaches. Yes. I mean, but like the player, like, 
I don't know. I can't get on them for like every little time I see like a mask down. It's just like they need to breathe too. Yeah, or like get a good sip of Gatorade. I get it. But coaches yeah. should be masked. I'm sorry. I get it's uncomfortable. Coaches should be masked. I completely agree. And but like when you have C- Cintron, Citron, I want to say Citrine like a gemstone. Hang on. I want to find out his actual name. Um, but actually yanking your mask down to egg on a player. Just he should be he should be just suspended for the year. Yeah. And it's yep. Cintron. Okay. Alex Cintron. Okay. Yep. Cintron. The, the Cintron. funniest part of the video was there's this bald guy in the back, like off to the right, and he has a clipboard and he's just and he just <laughs> looks so uninterested in the whole thing. And then when the brawl happens, he just calmly puts it down like, Oh shit, we're really doing this. Yeah, and like I seriously. Laugh. I laugh every time because you can see it. Like this I mean, you can't see his face because he's the smart one and actually kept his mask on. So you just see a bald head and glasses. And just he puts his head down, puts the clipboard down like, man, come on. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. (sighs) So whoever that coach was, I applaud you, man, because clearly he did not (laughs) want to fight and he wore a mask. So good for you, buddy. (laughs) One last point I want to make for today about being mad about various, you know, other things happening in baseball is... Nats fans, stop yelling at Sean Doolittle to force him off Twitter. Fuck yeah. Wait, what? Oh, you didn't know that, Kellyanne? Sean Doolittle, okay. Sean Doolittle had to delete his Twitter anymore. account. Oh. Because fans were being so mean to him online. Because he like, wasn't, he like, has been struggling this like, year. Yeah, yeah. But like, like I said, like, you so won a World Series. You won a World Series. In which he was played an instrumental role. Yeah. Not only that, this is such a wacky season. Like, I'm not deeply, profoundly, I'll make, like, surface judgments, but, like, this is such a screwed-up season to begin with. Routines have been broken. The the season's only 60 games. They started in the middle of summer. Nobody's going to be normal. No one. The stats are going to be so wonky. They're all going to be small sample sizes. Get off every player's back. Come on. I know. And, like, Sean Doolittle is is one of the few, like, good voices on, uh, as far as players go, on Twitter.com. Can we, like, please not ruin that by being jackasses? Of course we're going to ruin it because sports fans suck. And, like, honestly, I'm not going to get high and mighty about this. If Sean Doolittle was a Met and the shoe was on the other foot, God knows Mets Twitter would be just as awful because Mets Twitter sucks. I mean, look at how they treat Edwin Diaz. Like, Yep. Yep. Like... Just because a player isn't performing at his best doesn't give you the right to harass him online. Like, exactly. get a fucking life. Get a yeah. life. Please get yeah. a life. Oh, no, yes. oh, that's the other thing. The Met fan who messaged Strowman's mom. Oh, good what? lord. Oh, yeah. So there's this, oh. like, terrible... Okay. So there's this Instagram account called New York Mets News. It's, like, NYM underscore news. And somehow it has, like, 75.6 thousand followers. It has, like, 75K followers on Instagram. And it's, oh, like, geez. one of those... Like, Mets Instagram... If Mets Twitter is a cesspool, Mets Instagram is, like, the filth at the bottom of the cesspool. It's, like, the seventh circle of hell. It really is and so like this this account is run by like a random teenage kid and it has this many followers he has sources he claims he has sources but basically all he does and this is all all these random instagram instagram accounts do is that he just like reposts things from like 
either beat writers or like the Mets official Twitter. Twitter account or whatever and pretends that it's his own stuff. And so he'll just like make an Instagram post like Mets promote, you know, Mets activate Walker Lockett off the IL. And like that's a Mets news, even though like everyone knows it from beat writers <laughs> and stuff. And somehow like that gets him 75K followers on Instagram. Anyway, so like this terrible account like doesn't believe Marcus Stroman opted out for like COVID reasons um, because he's a dick. I guess. And he's like, he's like, I'm sick of being lied to because how do you know you're being lied to? Like, what? And so he, so he literally DMs Marcus Stroman's mom to try to be like, oh, so like, is he actually acting out because of COVID? And like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You, you don't want to message a player's mom? What like, is wrong with you? Yeah, they have every right to privacy. Like, don't harass players family members leave them alone leave them alone you are not a journalist you are a random teenager with an instagram account leave marcus strong's mother alone and also like anybody who comes at me which people have in my replies my replies and linda knows this too because her replies have also been a trash fire lately Mm -hmm. my replies have been a trash fire lately anybody who comes at me with Cespedes and Stroman aren't opting out because of the virus they're using it as an excuse is like an auto block. That's an auto oh, block yeah. for me. Yeah. I'm not because even engaging. I'm not, I'm not entertaining that no. shit from you. I'm not. Oh Sorry, my God. Because you, that is such a callous minimizing of re- very real and serious concerns during a global pandemic. Get over yourself. These yeah. people do not have to put their bodies and their families' bodies on the line for your entertainment. For you. Exactly. They do not. They do not. Yeah, like they're blaming that... Strollman for the Mets being a trash fire right now. Well, that's not his problem. That's Brody's problem. It's the Wilpons problem. They could have re-signed Zach Wheeler. They could have done stuff in the offseason. Right, and the people mm-hmm. like bitching about the trade, it's like, me, me, me. It's like, the, the Yeah, Mets, we could have had Dunn. We could have had Kay. Oh, you also could have had Zach Wheeler. Oh, shit. Yeah, you could have you could have had a literal Garrett Cole. Oh my god, Jimenez! I love him so much. Sorry, he just made a very spectacular catch. Yay! I love him so much. Sorry to interrupt like all the venting. No, this is normal. <laughs> a part of their own content. Normal. A part of their own content. Oh my god! Yeah, Tames uh, Eric Tames just popped up, and and Jimenez ran, and oh my god, I love him so much. He's such a good player. Like we should, so yeah, adorable. we should give him more. Is he like, legit? I think he might be I, legit. We should give him more deference in a future pod. I think he's legit just because he has such good baseball instincts. Like there was that, there was one catch the other night um, where, oh, I forget who was pitching, but he, uh, I, I think don't it was know either because Ramos, I had no power. Ramos, so don't ask it, me. Either Ramos or, no, Nito. I think Nito threw, tried to like get tag, throw, throw out a runner and he overthrew. Um, but Jimenez, made like he had the ball and kept the tag on him so the runner would not run to third base. And it was just like such a smart move. Oh, it was like, like oh, a deke. It was a deke. Yes, I couldn't think of the word. It was a deke. It was great. I was like, That's this awesome. kid. Well, I think that was good. when I had no power because everybody was raving about their defense that day. Like, Because yeah. that was when J.D. made a good play. J.D. has been fantastic Great. at third base, Linda. He has. I have been on the J.D. third base bandwagon before it was cool. I just want to put that out. You were. You were. And I will fully admit on record on the pod that I was wrong because I said that I thought J.D. Davis <laughs> – J.D. Davis's bad defense would be better hidden in the outfield, and J.D. has proved me wrong. He 
is been fantastic at third base. Good for him. I'm proud of him. I'm so well, happy. They, they I said, like yeah, he worked hard with Gary DeSarcina, and that was always my thing. Is he was he's known as a hard worker. So if he put the effort into it, there was always the chance that he was going to improve, and it, that's he clearly did. That was good for you, JD. You proved yeah. the haters wrong. You you go. And also, I was I did this. I was tweeting the other day from the pod account, but I'm like, just for me personally, to in my Mets fandom, go from Robin Ventura to David Wright to JD Davis at third. <laughs> just, oh, that's awesome! Yeah, true. Would make my heart continuity so continuity. <laughs> Like, okay, yes, there were some randoms in between, but, you know, for the most part. <laughs> we can elaborate on this more in a future pod. I feel like it deserves its own, like, little segment, but um, but I, I do feel like Jimenez and David Peterson, being decent, have been, like, very, they, they've been bright spots in the season that has been mostly shitty so far. So, yes. you know, um, yeah, I'm happy about that. Looking good is obviously a huge development that's because, very important <laughs> yeah because they rotation. literally have no pictures <laughs> yep, i no i pictures. feel like he has been talking to Degrom a lot just the way he's been reacting to not having great starts and and dealing with base runners yep. it, it, it's yeah, very DeGrom like calm. yeah, it, yeah. you're right like he has it's that been kind impressive. of like zen quality to him mm-hmm. it's been impressive um, whereas Steven Matz has been very not the very opposite of being Zach. Yep, yep, unfortunate. <laughs> it's so weird him and Jake are so such good friends. They're such opposites of each other. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Um oh, before we move on to walk off wins, I just want to say really quick on the pod, Dollars for Dingers is is happening. You guys know this. We announced it a couple weeks ago and like officially launched it uh our last show. Um, but it's not too late to make a pledge for the food bank for New York City or whatever your local food bank happens to be if you're not in the New York City metropolitan area. Um, we don't care. Donate donate your pledge wherever you want. Um, but, yeah, we're raising money for local food banks um, for dollars for dingers this year. Every Mets home run in the month of August will go to local food banks. So it's not too late to make your pledge, so please do it. We have on our, um, on our Twitter, we have links to both – to the spreadsheet where you can make your donation to the Google spreadsheet. We also have that information on amazingavenue.com in a post um, on the, on the site that is permanently, you know, in the third slot on the site's layout right now. So you can go to amazingavenue.com too, to find that information if you are not on Twitter. Um, So please make a pledge if you haven't already. Um, But with that, we will end the show like we do every week with walk off wins where each of us talks about what is making us happy this week, baseball related or otherwise. Linda Surovich, what is your walk off win for this week? Okay, like I said, I was watching hockey, but um, it's not the Rangers because they got eliminated. But um, womp womp. so yeah, so I was pissed because I, a I couldn't watch because hey, no power, so I was <laughs> I was sitting in my car. So that was last Wednesday, but then yesterday they won the lottery and now have the number one draft pick. In the draft. And this is the first time in their entire history. Well, they had one, but it didn't really count because he never played. And like back in like 1960, like five or something, um, they've never had the first pick in the draft. And 
like not even the Mets sucking could take me down off that high yesterday. Um, and it just it it kind of pisses me off because you it's it's doable. You can have young talent, you can sign superstars, and then just be a competent organization. And then you have the Mets who are who are getting killed at like by fourteen, like whatever it was yesterday. So that kind of annoyed me that both my teams like are at complete opposite ends of each other. Um, but yeah, so the future is bright in Rangers land. I don't know if I could say the same about the Mets, but so I mean, I still haven't come down the high like that really happened. They really won the draft. Like everybody was tagging me in Slack, like Linda, they won, they won, they won. Get in here, get in here, because I was driving home when the draft happened. So when I saw, I had like a bunch of tags on Slack. I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? What happened? What I missed? Uh, so yeah, it was, it was a good day to eat. So it was like a complete turnaround from just being absolutely embarrassed in the playoffs and getting nothing done to now like celebrating in nope. the span of a week. Um, it was it was a good day to be a Ranger fan yesterday. So that's my walk off way. <laughs> the only context I had for that was Slack like completely blowing up, and I was like, something yep. good happened. <laughs> yes, and that was because I wasn't there because I was driving home, and I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is this real? You better not be lying to me. Oh my god, <laughs> is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Yes, I like I woke up this morning. I was like, is it real? Because the number one pick, like, everybody knows who the number one pick is going to be. And, like, he's... Uh, how do I put this in baseball terms? Uh, like, I'd probably say, like, he's probably projecting to be, like, a Cody Bellinger type. Oh, wow. Ooh, okay. That's good. Or, like, a Yelich kind of. Like, not, like, like Trout's on his own level. Like, not the elite elite. But, like, a step below Trout kind of. Like uh, Bryce Harper. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a good comp. So, so that's so that's where we're at right now. So I, I'm not gonna let the Mets ruin this high. So don't, I'm wearing, don't. You should. I'm be wearing happy. my Rangers jersey today. I'm I'm very happy, even if you know last week I wasn't. But the fact that they lost last week got them into the into the lottery this week. So you win some. No regrets. Some. No, no regrets at all. It was totally <laughs> worth it. That's awesome. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. That's my walk off win. Even if you're gonna become a Seattle Kraken fan. <laughs> happy for yeah, no, happy for the Rangers. That's awesome. Yes. Kellyanne Healy, what is your walk off win for this week? Okay. So mine one of mine, I'm gonna like cheat and do two because Luis Giorbe just kind of hit a double and that made me very happy because I think it was Soto took a bad route to it and he said it. You could lip read. But yeah, Luis Guillaume hitting a double right there and potentially um, getting in the tying run is good because I'm still watching this game. Um, but my other one is to all of to my town's public works department who was, they were working through the storm this past week to clear branches and trees off the road. And the next day after the storm had passed, it literally did not look like a storm had come through my town at all, which is because I've been traveling between towns to do various things is quite a miracle in and of itself. But they were clearing trees off the power lines and clearing trees from the roads to make it safe for us. And that was just really incredible and awesome. And they get my walk off win for this week. All the public works workers do for helping bring back the power, get the trees out of the road and 
all the hard work that they are doing. Yeah, love our essential workers, don't we? Essential workers, yes. Hell yeah. They get my my shout out this week. Yay. Um, That's awesome. Uh, Shout out to essential workers for continuing. No one has forgotten about you continuing to do your thing, despite the fact that coronavirus is still happening. Um, Oh, God. Although we did have a question, like, a lot of these, because uh, at least around here, um, Con Ed wasn't prepared, and they needed to call in workers from out of state. Like, do they have to quarantine if they're coming from... Good question. That is a good question. Because, I mean, I think no one's ever really prepared for anything like this. And, again, just with the number of people with power outages, they're going to need reinforcements um because like I, I, I work with said the people who put her power back on were from from alabama because oh, i i'm i'm you know i'm pretty <laughs> sure new jersey had crews come i am, live in new jersey um crews came in from ohio illinois tennessee and i'm pretty sure at least tennessee is on the new jersey like quarantine list i think alabama is too. Yes, Alabama would definitely be on the list. Like the entire South is on the list. On the list, yeah. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure about Illinois or Ohio though. But, but yes, we've a lot. The the Northeast that got hit and had like their power knocked out have had workers coming in from across the country to help restore. Like, I'm power. very happy they're here to help, and I'm grateful they're here to help. But I'm just wondering. But I guess they're essential, so maybe they don't yes, have to. They, I th- I yeah, think, yeah, they I might be exempt from the rules. Yeah, yeah. I I think there's an exemption rule if you're an essential worker. I'm pretty sure. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think there is. Just because they need the reinforcements. Yeah, yeah. that was obvious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they made them all quarantine. Like, they wouldn't have them for the next thing that happens. No. Um, no. But, yeah. And it, but, but also, people, like, without power would also be more at risk of spreading the disease. Because now you're, we're in the summer. We're sweating more, coughing more, allergies, all of that. Oh, oh it was God. so hot without power, too. Oh, my God. Oy. Thank God there was a breeze outside. Oh, it was awful. I feel for you guys. I just sat in my car for the air conditioning. Yeah. To charge up my phone to listen to the back game and for the air conditioning. I was one of the fortunate ones in that I did not lose power, where like I think 65% of the county I live in lost power. So I was very fortunate in that sense. But still. We got through it. We got through it. Survive. Um, so my walk off win this week, um, is, is TV related or like pop culture related. So, um, Michael and I started a journey a a long while ago, um, to watch the Sopranos all the way through because I had never seen it before for him. It was a rewatch, but I had never seen it. And so we finally finished that. And we also got through Avengers Endgame. And so I have now oh, yeah. seen, yeah, I knew Linda would be happy about that. So I've now seen all, I'm now like basically all caught up on all the Marvel movies that have happened. The only one that we have yet to watch is Far From Home, which is the most recent um, Marvel release. Yeah. So I'm caught up on all the Avengers content 
through Avengers Endgame and we finished The Sopranos. And I and I am one of the few people on planet Earth that did, and I obviously won't spoil it if there is one parentheses, one other person on planet Earth who does not know what the ending of The Sopranos is like. Because I knew- How I, that Oh, wait, uh, never mind. No, I do know what the ending is like. Never mind. I take that back. So I knew it was like famous. So I knew that it was like a famous ending and it was really controversial and like everyone like freaked out about it. But I didn't know what it was. Like, I didn't know what happened. I didn't know the nature of it. I didn't know anything about it. And now, obviously, I know because I've seen the ending. Michael took a reaction video of it that he continues to play over and over and over. Um, So... I, I'm very happy that I finally finished The Sopranos and gotten all caught up on Marvel um, and I enjoyed all of it and so I'm very happy that I now feel like I'm more like culturally aware than I was before because I feel like <laughs> these are two like major franchises that like I was totally ignorant of especially like The Sopranos being like from New Jersey I feel like I needed to like hand in my New Jersey card because I had never seen it so like I'm happy that I like have seen those things now that I can like participate in the discourse and the memes and understand a lot more memes now. Um, so what I, was what you think of Endgame verdict? I really liked it. I really liked it. I I really liked it. I'm a big like being like I, I don't know. I see a lot of parallels like because obviously like I'm a huge Harry Potter stan and so like yeah. I understand the the fandom parallels between like even though like Marvel is not superhero stuff is not as much my thing as like Harry Potter I understand the fandom parallels between the two and like how excited you get when you're a fan about this stuff and like the end game scene I won't try to ruin it all but like the epic like fight scene at the end of end game when like a bunch of characters are there like the react I I understand how the fandom reaction to that was like so happy and like excited and like I felt that like I felt my own smaller version of that and so like I understand what that's like because like I felt very similar emotions during Harry Potter um and that whole saga so like I totally get it and like I enjoyed it a lot it was a fun it was a good viewing experience I enjoyed it so yes um, was, I have to say it was fun to see in the theater too like I bet to it get was. that reaction Especially in, I mean, not to ruin anything, in Infinity War, right? Yes, the first one, yeah. Um, the ending of Infinity War, the reaction of that, it was oh, like, Ooh. yeah. But that, like, to see that live with other people, like, and, like, I think that for me, like, nothing will ever be topped. Like, I think I put that above Endgame just because of the sheer, like, shock value of it. Yeah, yeah, it makes so, sense. So, yeah, it's like, I never thought I'd be one of those people that, like, oh, you know, look at those guys at the theater. Like, you know it's not real. And then I became one of those people. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> like, I never thought I'd have, like, that visceral reaction in a movie theater. Like, I'm just there to, like, watch a movie and have a good time. But then it's like, oh, my God. And Michael You're emotionally invested. Yeah. Exactly. It's like I became one of those people. But... So yeah, like seeing you know even popcorn films like they get they get a bad rap, but they're still fun. Like there's entertainment now, value. Yeah, I was gonna say like even now like you can have a more of an appreciation. They're an escape, and you know we haven't had that in a really long time. Like just to have that reaction in a theater now is a luxury. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And like Michael laughed because. Um, at one point there's a scene during like the big like final battle scene I guess you could call it there's like one scene where it's all the women and they're all together and I like I yelled and I I, Michael like laughed his ass off I yelled that made the men so mad I love it 
Oh, they got so bad. I'm sure that made but the men so I'm, mad. I think in the theater, I said, what hell yeah. <laughs> oh, it rules. I was like, that's totally like fandom service. And I don't even care because it's epic. I didn't care either. I was like, that's so awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was oh, cool. But also kind of like on the same, because um, I always pronounce his name wrong. Taika Waititi, yeah. I think his name is. He directed Thor Ragnarok, which oh, yeah, is so yeah. bonkers. And he's bonkers. Um, but I saw Jojo Rabbit because it was on AG- HBO and he directed that. And well, oh my god, what a movie that was! And like, I'm gonna, I, I will, I, I will watch anything he does. Like, it was just unbelievable. Um, I don't know if you know the story behind Jojo Rabbit. I, I know the story, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can't recommend it enough. Um, because it's bonkers, like he is. But it's also just so emotional. Like, there's just one scene that just absolutely rips your heart out. But then it's also, like, uplifting and beautiful. And it was just, yeah, I can't, I can't recommend Jojo Rabbit enough. Like, it, it, it kind of stunned me how, how good it was. So, if you have yeah, time on your hands. Yeah, I think it surprised a lot of people. Yeah. So, if you have time on your hands, I, I recommend that one. Um, and I will recommend the other, like, kind of half of my walk-off win is that in the place of finishing The Sopranos, I started Fleabag, and, which had been on my list for ages and ages, um, and I was, like, waiting to get through The Sopranos first, and I finally finished The Sopranos, and I started Fleabag. Cannot recommend that enough. I mean, I know that, like, I'm probably the last person on this wagon, but holy shit, Fleabag is so good. I'm obsessed <laughs> with it. No spoilers, because I'm only one episode into season two. There are two seasons. It's like a really quick binge, too, which is what's great about it, because like they're half an hour episodes. There are only two seasons, each season six episodes. So it's like really fast to get through it. Um, so I've only, like, I've watched one, one season plus one episode, and I think that was only in like two sittings. Um, so I am knee deep in the flea bag and I freaking love it. Phoebe Waller bridge is brilliant in it. Um, and Olivia Coleman's in it as well. She's fantastic. Oh, she's in it. great. Um, yes. Kellyanne will know star of the crown. Um, yes. And, yep. <laughs> I say that like hesitantly because I was, I like, I mean, she was good in the crown, but like the, the, Season three did not live up to the previous two seasons, in my opinion. I know I think many people would disagree with me, but I think Claire Ford just did such a good job as Elizabeth. I don't have a hard take on that because I've I've only seen The Crown in bits and pieces, but I will say if my grandma, uh, rest in peace grandma, if she were still on this earth, she would have takes to share because it was her absolute favorite show. Um, but And so the actually the episodes of The Crown I have seen are because I was sitting with her while she watched it. Um, but I have, so I have seen some of the, some of the Olivia Coleman season and some of the previous seasons, but yes, that's, that's where Olivia Coleman partially is known for is the crown. And she was also in Broadchurch. If you've seen that, um, she and, was, uh, the favorite, she, I think favorite. just won the Academy Award for, yes, I think. she won the Academy yes. Award for the favorite. So she's just a fantastic actress all around. She's really good. Yeah. So she's also in Fleabag, um, which is interesting. Cause like, obviously Fleabag's a comedy, a comedy. So she's like 
in a more comedic role as opposed to her other roles, which are much more serious. Um, so it was funny. It, it's, it was fun to see her in this very different role. Um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge was actually in, I, I, my family pointed out to me, which I had forgotten, that Phoebe Waller-Bridge was in Broadchurch very briefly as well, but she was only in like two episodes, so I didn't remember really? that, she was. Yeah, she was the lawyer. The Oh. Yeah, she was in the lawyer during two? the trial. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd completely forgotten about that. Um, but yeah, so um, Fleabag is fantastic. I can't recommend it enough. I mean, you have to like like a certain kind of comedy. It's very vulgar. Um, it's it's kind of a, a a dark comedy, which are my favorite kind. Like you know, you know me. I love BoJack Horseman, which is another favorite of mine. That's also a dark comedy. Um, but it's kind of about. Um, basically a woman who is it's called Fleabag because she's kind of an asshole um, and basically it's about her like dealing with her like hot mess of a life and like dealing with the aftermath of the terrible decisions she's made in her life so but it's it's quite funny um, I love it I think Phoebe Waller-Bridge's comedic timing is fantastic um, her facial expressions are everything the whole thing is hilarious it's great and it's well acted it's fantastic so can't recommend that enough. So that's my walk-off win, is finishing The Sopranos, getting caught up on Marvel, understanding more cultural references than I did previously, and starting Fleabag, which I really enjoy. So that's my walk-off win for this week. Um, that does it for the show this week. Um, we should be back on our regular schedule finally. <laughs> Barring any other unforeseen circumstances, power outages, whatever. Yeah. Um, we should be back on our regular rotation. Um, Tuesday night recording, Wednesday morning pod uh, appears in your feed. So look for another pod next week. In the meantime, go to AmazingAvenue.com. Check out all of our fantastic content. As Linda mentioned, she had a Cespedes Greatest Moments piece that you should absolutely read um we have our daily like game recaps uh and stuff like that still happening obviously um we have uh i know michael just wrote a david peterson analysis piece um so you know keep an eye out for all of that um follow amazing avenue on twitter um facebook and instagram at amazing avenue you can follow the show on twitter at a pot of their own you can follow me and linda on twitter kellyanne is twitterless at the moment but you can follow uh, me on twitter i'm at <laughs> petite phd where are you linda at linda Servich. yeah so follow each of us on twitter follow the show on twitter um you can subscribe to the podcast on itunes stitcher spotify wherever you get your podcast from amazing avenue audio check out our entire fantastic suite of pods please rate and review the show it really helps people find it um the intro and outro music to this podcast is by bunga let's go mets and don't forget there is no crying in podcasting catch you next week 